Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 2 today. Luke chapter 2. We're going to take a little break from our Acts series uh, until the first of the year and uh, going to prepare our hearts for Christmas the next couple of weeks. Um, we've got nine days before Christmas. That's eight more shopping days. That means you have seven days until you have to start shopping, you Christmas Eve people. And it's coming quick. We're going to look at a Christmas story today in Luke chapter 2. And this is not one of the regulars. Right? Oftentimes when we think about Christmas, we, th- we think of the shepherds or angels or wise men. This is a Christmas story that we don't often think of as a Christmas story because it happens after Christmas, before the, the hero of our story. When we look at this, this was his Christmas day. So, so let's jump in. Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 22. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him, that's the baby Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. The the practice in in a devout Jewish family in that time would be that when a male child was born, eight days after birth, the child would be circumcised and then 33 days after that, the mother would go through a, a purification sacrifice, a, a, a rite that the, the law of Moses would talk about. This is what Joseph and Mary were doing at that time. So this is about 40 days after Jesus was born. They traveled from Bethlehem up to Jerusalem, which was about a six-mile trip that they would take, and they went to the temple so that they could do what the law had required and taught them to do. A couple things that are important for us to see here. One is this. Joseph and Mary were devout followers of the Jewish religion. And they did exactly what was expected of them, and they offered Jesus back to God. The second thing that's interesting is it says that their offering was a pair of doves or two young pigeons. That was the offering that the Old Testament said that a mother would give in this purification sacrifice in that time if they were poor. So that's just kind of a a side note, something we see about Joseph and Mary. They would have been considered poor in that time of their life. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. This guy Simeon is going to be the star of our show today. He's the hero in this story. He's the guy that we're going to look at and see what we can learn from his life as we observe some things in Luke chapter 2. A couple things that it says about him. It says that he was righteous and devout. That's a pretty good description, isn't it? I mean, I look at that and I go, okay, this must be a, a special guy if the Bible says this about him. And if he's a special person, then I probably should take note. It says that he was righteous and he was devout. And did you notice multiple times it mentioned how he was led by the Holy Spirit? Twice in those verses, you're going to see it again at least one more time before we get through this passage of Scripture, how he was led by the Holy Spirit. Now, we're not going to talk about that a lot today because in January, when we we start the new year and get back in the book of Acts, we are going to talk about what it means to have a life that is led by the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, 
especially in, in some of our church backgrounds, we have some confusion about who the Holy Spirit is and how he leads us. And so we're going to take some time in the month of January and look at what Scripture says and what the book of Acts in particular says about who the Holy Spirit is, how he works in our lives, what a difference that makes. And, and for months now, I've, I've been thinking about praying about that series that we're going to start the, the first Sunday in January. And I can tell you this, I really do believe that there's some things that we're going to walk through in that series that for some of you are going to be transformative in your spiritual life. That you're going to look back on some of those things that we teach about and that it's going to be a game changer for you in your relationship with God and in the way that you live your life. So I hope that you'll be looking forward to that, even praying about those services when we start that new series in January. It says that Simeon was led by the Holy Spirit and then this was the part that grabbed me. It says that he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Israel in that time, and, and really the whole world, was in terrible spiritual condition. And Simeon is described as being someone who was devout, he was righteous, he was guided by the Holy Spirit, he was waiting with faith, he was waiting with patience. His desire was for the coming of the Messiah, or as it's described there, the consolation of Israel. What does that mean, the Messiah or the Christ? He was the one that the Jewish people believed would come and rescue them that would come and save them. God had promised that someone would come, and Simeon was waiting for him. He wouldn't have said it this way, but if you think about it, Simeon was waiting for Christmas. So much so that God had told him, you won't die until you see the Messiah. He wasn't just waiting for Christmas. He was actually living for Christmas Day. Do any of you remember being like that as a kid? Like, you're living for Christmas. You can't wait for it to come. I can remember, I don't know how old I was, just a, a little guy, and I can remember being so excited about Christmas that one Christmas morning, like, you know, you, you can barely fall asleep, you fall asleep. One Christmas morning, I can remember going into, like, my mom and dad's bedroom. I think I went to my mom's side of the bed because I knew that would be safer. And I went to my mom's side of the bed, and I was like, guys, guys, can we, can we get up and go see what's under the tree? It was, like, somewhere between 5 and 6 a.m., and my parents were like, and I don't think they did it in a very Christian way, go back to bed. There was no glad tidings of great joy in that moment. Chad, you go back to bed. But I was like, go back to bed? Are you kidding me? Do you know how long I've been waiting for this day? Uh, let me tell you, 365 days. I've been living for Christmas. That was Simeon. He was, he was waiting for something. He wouldn't have called it that, but what he was waiting for was Christmas Day. And now in this moment, we see him as he finds his longings fulfilled. My question to you is, what are you waiting for this Christmas? Maybe for some of you, this, this Christmas is just business as usual, it's just another one. The shopping, the cooking, the family, the tree, the decorations, the traditions, the, the Christmas shows, whatever it might be. For others of you, though, there may be something really unique about this year. Like you, you, you literally would say, I feel like there's something I'm waiting for. Maybe it's something with great expectation. Maybe it's something that you're waiting for with dread. Maybe, maybe it's, a, it's a blessing. Maybe it's painful. Might be not just Christmas that you're waiting for, but you feel like, and, and it's funny how the calendar works with our brains this way, you're, you're kind of on the edge of 2018, and maybe you're going, I can't wait for 2019. Or maybe you're saying, I'm scared to death of 2019. 
But there's this uncertainty where you go, I don't know what's out there, or I'm waiting for something, or I'm looking for something. What is it that you're waiting for this Christmas? This, this story of Simeon almost seems to me when you read it like it's a bit of an interruption. Like it, you've got this whole story going on, and all of a sudden you've, you've just got this unique detail about this one guy. Now, historians don't really know, and there's estimates all over the map, but they, they guess that the population of Jerusalem at this time in the first century was somewhere between 40 and 80,000 people. I know that's a, that's a big range, but just get this. There's a lot of people in Jerusalem. Why this one guy? Of all the people in Jerusalem, why, why do we focus on him? I think we look at Simeon for a few reasons. One, what he says confirms the prophetic role of who Jesus came to be. And also, when he speaks later to Joseph and Mary, he speaks to them in a way that affirms what God is doing through them as parents of the Messiah. But I also think when we look at this guy, Simeon, we, we have a bit of a role model for us to consider. We get some example here of what it's like to be a person of faith, and especially in this season. Like, how are we to wait for Christmas? Verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, there it is again, he went into the temple courts. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required. So here's Simeon. He, he's been led by the Holy Spirit. He finds himself in the temple. This is the time when Joseph and Mary bring Jesus in for all these, these religious things that were a part of their practice. And watch what happens next, verse 28. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. In reading Simeon's actions and, and words, I think there's some things there that, that we do well to observe and pay attention to, especially if you find yourself in a place where you're looking at this season and, and going, how do I handle this? How do I navigate this? How are you waiting for Christmas? So I want to make some observations and, and just kind of walk through this story a little bit. Some things about Simeon's life, some things that he did, maybe some things we can learn, and talk about how to wait for Christmas. As we get ready for, for the week ahead, how do we wait for Christmas? Just three things that I want you to see. Here's the first one. Be in a posture to receive the promise. This, this Christmas season, put yourself as a person, be in a posture where you can receive God's promise. God had told Simeon, look, you won't die until you see the Messiah, until you see the Christ. That was a promise from God, and now he has to position himself, or, or if you will, put himself in a posture where he could receive it. Your posture says a lot about you. You know that body language is a powerful thing, right? Like whether you make eye contact with somebody, how close you stand, how far away you stand, what you do with how you shift your body, what you do with your arms says a lot, what you do with your face says a lot. For some of you, your, your posture has been interesting to me to watch even during a sermon. Some of you, I've seen your dental work. <laughs> Not kidding, I just, just so you know, I saw that. Right? There's, there's all these things about our posture that reveal something about who we are. How, how about you? How are you, in a, in a personal sense or even in a spiritual sense, how are you postured? How do you position yourself before God? And are you waiting for something? 
Look, some of you feel like you, you may have a promise from God that you're like holding out for, something that you feel like God has either, either put in your life or, or promised to you, that you have this expectation that you're looking for, but you've not received that yet. It may be a scripture that you're holding on to. It may be a prayer that you've prayed for a loved one or a family member. It may be a dream that God's put in your heart. Maybe it's just that you'd look at this next season and go, I'd love for Christmas to go smoothly. <laughs> like it's this promise you're holding out to. Or maybe in the midst of this season, you're dealing with disappointment, or you're struggling with an illness, or you got stress at work, or you feel like your life's been defined by what you do or do not have. There's answers that you're not finding. What do you, what do, you do if you're in that season? How do you handle the waiting? Look, we have no idea how long Simeon waited. The, the Bible doesn't tell us. But you get the feeling like it was more than just a couple of days. When you read this, you get the feeling that he had kind of been in that, that circling zone for a long time where he was waiting to see what God had in store for him. And we've got to assume that he was probably an older gentleman by this time because once he saw Jesus, he says to, to God, you can now take your servant in peace. So we've got to assume that he was probably at a place in life where he was, was close to assuming that he might not live much longer. He waited for a long time. And what, what do we learn from that? What do we see from his posture in this waiting? Just, just a few observations that I would make. And, and one is this. Simeon had a posture of faith. He had a posture of faith. He was trusting and believing in God, that God said he would do something, and he believed that he would. He, he operated. Simeon had this posture of faith. In spite of false starts and in spite of hard times, he believed that if God said he would do something, that God would do it. And we have many of these same situations where we find ourselves in these places where we have to trust in God even though we haven't seen what we're trusting for yet. Like look what scripture says. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. Even though you're just hoping for that, you have confidence. Even though you haven't seen it, you believe that God will do it. Here's the interesting about faith. thing about faith is if you're someone who doesn't have the same faith about a situation, it looks foolish to you. But when you have faith, you believe that God is going to respond in some way. And this is really important. It's not foolish. In fact, watch what the Bible says, verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You know, the truth is the Christmas season is really a good illustration of maybe how faith should work in our lives sometimes. At Christmas, especially if you're a kid, what do you do? You, you think of things that you by faith would like to receive and you make a list. And then you give it to someone who can fulfill that list. Santa or as I like to call her, Rhonda. And you take that list, and even though you haven't seen it yet, you entrust it to someone and believe with confidence that what you haven't seen yet, you someday will. Now there is, oh, I won't say it, but there is a God. And there's one that we can put our confidence and trust in. Simeon approached this whole thing with a posture of faith but there's another side to this. Simeon also had a posture of obedience. Simeon had a posture of obedience. 
When God said, Simeon, you need to go to the temple, he didn't make excuses. He didn't ask questions. He did what God asked him to do. And this is really essential because for some of us, we're waiting for God to give us a promise. We're trusting God to meet our needs. We want him to fulfill desires in our heart. But all the while, even though we're saying, God, I'd like for you to do something in my life, we keep putting ourselves in places because we're not obeying him where we're not able to receive what he wants to bring to us. You may be looking for the right present. You're just waiting under the wrong tree. And there are times when I've got to go, Holy Spirit, if you're leading me, if God's word is teaching me in a certain way, if there's something that God wants for me to do, I can't expect to receive what God has for me if I'm not going to be in a place where I can receive it. A posture of obedience before God and his word and the Spirit's leading is a big deal. One Christmas, I had asked for a pretty important present for me. I had a friend who had one of these, and I said to myself, in order to serve the Lord, I must have one. <laughs> and as a child, I said to my parents, Mom, Dad, my bike's getting a little old and beat up. I think I need a new bike. Not just any bike. I need an anointed bike. And the bicycle I, I, was, I was probably like 10. The bicycle I asked for was just a standard bicycle to the, to the naked eye, but then you would look and see that right under the handlebars and then under the frame, it had this these markings and these signs that had the logo of the Pittsburgh Steelers on it. It was an anointed vehicle of victory. So I wanted this bike. So I got up on, on Christmas morning and I shot downstairs. Like uh, this time we, we had like a finished basement and our Christmas tree was downstairs in the basement. I remember I shot down the stairs and got down there. And when I got in front of the tree, like the bike wasn't there. But you, you want to be, be a good kid. You don't want to be greedy and this kind of stuff. So I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. So I'm opening presents and toys and all this kind of stuff, you know, that you get. So we're all done around the tree. I'm sitting there playing with whatever I got, you know, just kind of hanging out there. And all of a sudden, my, my mom goes, hey, can you run upstairs and get, I don't know what she asked for, and get like something out of the, the closet by the front door for me? And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? It's Christmas Day. I've got things to play with. The last thing I want to do is go upstairs and get whatever you forgot to get out of the closet, right? That's your thought process, right? Now, I don't know how much force it took on their part, but I obeyed, and I'm so glad I did because when I got upstairs right in front of that closet, do you know what was sitting there? An anointed vehicle of victory. That bicycle <laughs> was right there, and it was the thing that I wanted. What's interesting is when I had gone downstairs that morning, I had ran right past it. Because I was so focused on where I thought it should be that I missed where it actually was. It wasn't until I was willing to obey, even if it took me someplace that didn't make sense to me, that I was able to find what I really wanted. Some of you may need to consider, am I looking for the right gift just under the wrong tree? And maybe it's time in a relationship or in a habit or in a thought process that I need to say, God, I need to change the way I do this and obey the way you lead because that's when I'm going to be able to receive. Simeon had this posture that was there of faith. He had a posture of obedience. And then this is huge. Simeon had a posture of openness. There, there's something beautiful about this story. He had this posture of openness before God. We can have a tendency when we wait sometimes 
to put ourselves in a place, especially if we haven't received what we think we should receive, where we can get closed off. And that is not what you see from Simeon. Look at this. Luke chapter 2, verse 28. It says, Simeon took him in his arms. And if you, if you want to picture this, this is six-week-old baby Jesus, right? It says that Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. Now look, Mary and Joseph most likely did not know this dude. And somehow they, they crossed paths there in the temple. And the Holy Spirit says to Simeon, that's, that's, the, that's the Messiah right there. That's the kid. And it says that he took him in his arms. That might have been a little awkward for Mary, don't you think? Like when we first moved to Toledo, our daughter Carissa was six weeks old. So she was like about the same age. And there was a guy in the church who used to just walk right up to Rhonda, wouldn't ask permission, would just take Carissa out of her arms and walk away with her. Can I give you just a word of advice? Guys, don't do that. You, you could and maybe should get hurt. <laughs> what was different about it, I mean, we had relationships, so he was, he was able to do this, and pretty soon, you know, he, he'd come back, and she'd fallen asleep. There was something almost kind of special about that in that moment. Again, if you don't know the people, don't do it. Can I get an amen? Okay, all right, thanks. <laughs> What'd Simeon do? Took Jesus in his arms. These arms that had been waiting for so long to receive something from God now had in them what he was waiting for. But he never would have received it if he hadn't had a posture of openness. So many times we're, we're closed off because of fear or hurt in the past or our doubts or our disappointment. Sometimes it's because of our insecurities. And instead of having a posture where we're ready to receive, we walk through life like this. And when you're waiting like this, it makes it almost impossible for you to receive what God has for you. You will struggle to receive until you open yourself up. At some point, you're gonna struggle to receive what God has for you until you put yourself in a, in a place of openness. So I have to ask you, when you're waiting, what's your posture? The other day, I, I had to stop by the store, and I only had to get four items, but the closest place for me to stop was one of those big like warehouse stores kind of thing. So I just, I just ran in there real quick, and uh, I'm in a hurry. So like I got my cart, and I get there, and I realized very quickly, I'm the only person that's in a hurry. right? Like I'm moving, and there's these people just kind of taking their time in front of them. And I'm like, I'm dying. Anybody else? It's like, I got to move. Here's the problem. I don't know if they go to Calvary, right? So I have to be on my best behavior. <laughs> so like, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm like, Ugh. so you get like, I need to watch more NASCAR because you just like, when you get a moment, you're just kind of doing one of these numbers, you know, and I'm trying to, you know, keep Christian in the midst of this. But these people... I don't think they go to church the way they're driving through that store. Like, I'm getting, and then I'm right, like, I've got the thoroughfare, and I'm like, oh, I'm just about to break free here, you know, and go. And there's, like, this couple in front of me. Sorry if it's you. They're right there in front of me, and literally, like, they're right in the middle of the lane, right? And they just stop to have a conversation. They're not looking at anything, and they just stop. And, and I have to hit the brakes. I kind of have to move around them. And then I'm in a hurry. I just want to get out. I just want to get done. I want to get past these slow, lazy people. And I'm just moving. Then they move some of the stuff. I couldn't find it. I finally get up to the line. I get in the shortest line. And once I'm there, I realize these people have bought half the store. And I'm standing there. And all of a sudden, I caught myself. And I'm standing there like this. And I know I had a scowl on my face, and I had my arms crossed, and I'm looking to see if there's a better line, and I'm just, I'm mean. And all of a sudden, I realize, what is wrong with you? 
Like my posture in waiting in that moment was aggravated, irritated, closed off. Can I get an amen? I'm not the only one who struggles with that from time to time, right? <laughs> Never on a Sunday, but other days of the week, yeah. Right, and I'm standing there and I'm going, hey, Chad, get a hold of yourself. Relax, settle down. This posture is not helping anybody. How many times do we go through life in that same way? Because we don't, we don't like where we're at or we don't like what's happening. When instead, we need to open ourselves up in those moments. Look, understand this. You're, you're cruising through life looking for something. Ultimately, this, this story, and we'll get to this next week, it's all about Jesus. Jesus was the promise that Simeon was waiting for. And on that, what would be Simeon's first Christmas day, he received it. But know this, Jesus is the promise that you are waiting for. And I know that sounds like an easy Christian answer to put out there, but know this, if you're hurt, Jesus is the healer. And if you're wrestling with guilt or frustration, Jesus is the Savior who gives forgiveness. If you're disappointed, Jesus is the answer. If you're weak, he's your strength. If you're lacking, he's your provider. And wherever it is that you're waiting for something right now, it starts not with what you think you want in your hands. It starts with you recognizing who he is and having a posture of faith and having a posture of openness before him to trust him and obey him in those moments. Look, if you're waiting for Christmas, here's my first encouragement. Put yourself in a posture where you can receive his promise. Here's the second thing. Wait patiently for what God has prepared. That you would wait patiently. Aren't those two words you love to see together? <laughs> wait patiently for what God has prepared. That's what Simeon had to do. And we've got to assume he waited a long time. And his story is here. So he must have modeled something for us. What are you waiting for? Is it direction? Provision, you're waiting for a person, you're waiting for your big break, you're waiting for an answer to prayer. Sometimes I think when we're, when we're waiting on God, we have a tendency to think it's like we're waiting in line at the store. And then when God gets done checking out the person in front of you, then you get to move up and he'll give you what you need. I don't think you're just waiting there in time. I think your waiting is more like you're training for a race. That even though it may not be that big moment yet, every day matters what you do and how you live and how you prepare. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Do you know what another word for perseverance is? Patience. That sometimes... The waiting doesn't mean I'm just standing there in line. The waiting means, God, I'm going to keep doing the right things even though I'm still waiting. God, I'm going, to keep, I'm going to keep serving you with obedience and with faith, with openness, even though I haven't received it yet. What, what do you do while you're waiting patiently? I want to encourage you to serve patiently. Like if you're in a place where you're waiting, especially in this season, that you would serve patiently, that you'd have this mindset that God has called you to serve him in some way. Look, look at the language that Simeon uses. Luke chapter 2, verse 29. He says, look at the titles here, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. Isn't that interesting? 
He says, God, you are the sovereign Lord. That means you're the one who's in charge of everything. And then he refers to himself as a servant, which means I put myself in a position where I serve you. He had a clear picture of who God was in his life, and he had a clear picture of who he was in his life. And when you have that mindset that your purpose in life is to serve God, it changes everything. Like, like it shifts who you are. Now that matters in every part of life, but I, I challenge you maybe to go into your Christmas week with a bit of a different perspective. You've probably got some more parties, maybe some family gatherings, just the, the hecticness of life. And what if instead of letting it overwhelm you, maybe like in years past, or, or letting yourself begin to think about what might go wrong as in years past, what if you had an expectation of what God could do, of how he could work in this time, and how he wants to use you, maybe even to serve other people? To recognize, God, you're in charge, you're, you're God in this, I just want to be in a place where I can be used by you. And you say, Chad, how do you do that? Let me give you two quick thoughts. One is this, look at this, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Do you know why I usually get impatient when I have to wait? It's because I think I shouldn't have to wait. It's okay for you to wait. <laughs> but it's not okay for me to wait. I shouldn't be in this spot. And so many times the challenges and the struggles that come in my life is because I can begin to think of myself more highly than I ought to, especially in this season. Maybe instead, what if I ask this question? How would God have you serve someone else this Christmas? Like how would God have you in these next few days to be used by him to serve someone else. And you say, well, Chad, that's, that's, that's good to ask, but you don't know the situation I'm stepping into. Maybe if you had to describe that work situation or that family situation or that, that unique Christmas situation, you would use a word like strife. You'd say, look, there's tension or there's disagreement or there's bad history or there's all these things. There's a little bit of strife in this. What do you do in that? I was reading in the book of Proverbs this week, and this, this verse just gripped me. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 10. It says, where there is strife, there is pride, but wisdom is found in those who take advice. Do you see that connection there between strife and pride? And if you really, if you dig down, if you think about places in your life where you may have some strife or some tension, ultimately, I think one of the, the key factors in it is that somewhere there's some pride that's involved in that strife. Now look, strife is a two-way street. It's never just one situation. It requires two people for there to be strife, at least two, sometimes more. And it requires that when there's strife. And sometimes you're dealing with somebody who maybe just has evil intentions. But I would say the majority of the time, it's an issue where some pride has come in. I would challenge you, humility is the first step to resolving strife. If strife finds its foundation in pride, then humility is the first step to resolving it. So if there's strife, you probably need to ask a question, do some evaluation, and first ask, am I the cause of the strife? Is it coming from me? Am I the source? If it is, then I need to respond with some humility. The other question that I have to ask is, is the other person the source of the strife? Which it usually is. Can I get an amen? 
So how do I respond if it's them and not me? Same answer, humility. That at some point I gotta humble myself enough to take a step to with humility try to resolve that. This Christmas, if you're waiting in some way or another, I, I would encourage you, start by serving patiently. And then what's so key about what Simeon did is that he trusted patiently. I would encourage you to trust God patiently. When he, when he talks about what he had been looking for, he uses language where he says, God, this is what you have prepared for us. God is at work, even in those situations where you feel like you're waiting, even in those situations where you feel like you don't have an answer, even in those times when something's missing in your life, God is still waiting in those times. James chapter 1, verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. God has already promised that he's got something in store for you. He already said he's going to work this out. He knows what he's going to do. You can put your confidence and trust in him because he's already prepared it. And yet for so many of us, and look, I know that this is true. We come into a situation, especially in this season, where worry and anxiety and fear and disappointment and fretting can kind of come into our lives. What if instead we said, God, I know you're already at work in this situation. So instead of giving into my anxiety, I'm gonna trust you and, and have some anticipation about how you're gonna work this out. Trade your anxiety for anticipation and trust God and believe that he's going to do something special in this situation. For some of you, if, if you're in that place, here's, here's a couple of verses you might want to put on speed dial for the next few days. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Put yourself in a posture where you can receive what God has promised you and then wait patiently even in the midst of how God is preparing things. And then one last thing that, that I see in the life of Simeon very quickly, number three, remember this, praise brings peace. Number three, praise brings peace. Go, go back to this passage, verse 28. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. I don't think this was the first time that Simeon was praising God. I'm going to guess that through this whole process, through this whole time, in all of his waiting, he knew that it had to begin with praising God, even though he hadn't seen it yet. But let me tell you why that is so important, because so many times we reverse this, and we think of it the other way. We think in this way, when God brings me peace, that's when I'll praise him. And the reality is, it's not until I praise him that I might receive peace. Because so many times, I'm looking for it in different places, and you won't find it anywhere else. You'll only find that peace when you put yourself in a place where you've praised him, when you're in his presence. And I'm looking for it in so many other places, and I think to myself, when God gives it to me, that's when I'll thank him, when actually it's when I start thanking him that I actually receive it. Does that make sense? Like, look, look at this passage, Psalm 16, verse 11. The psalmist writes, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. When did I experience joy? When I got in God's presence. 
It wasn't because I was joyful that I chose to go into his presence. It's when I went into his presence, that's when I received joy. When I chose to praise him, that's when he brought peace. And this is especially important at Christmas because there are so many distractions and it is a hectic time and you can fly right through this season and forget about having a posture of openness. You can fly through this season and forget about trusting him and serving others. You can fly through this season and miss it unless you stop and praise. Think about for a moment the, the, the big Christmas story. Who, who are the main characters? Mary. And what happens when she finds out that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah? She praises God. You see the same pattern with the angels and with the shepherds and with the wise men. They all go to worship him. Every hero in this story is a worshiper. And what marks the villain? Do you remember who the villain is in the Christmas story? King Herod, you remember him? What marks him? A refusal to worship the newborn king. When we choose not to worship, when we choose not to praise, when we choose not to acknowledge who God is, it actually is toxic in our lives and it pushes that peace and it pushes that joy away. Look, if you want to know God's peace and his joy this Christmas season, it starts with praise. We miss out on Christmas when we fail to praise. And when we praise, that brings peace. Why is this all so important? Because if you're like me, you've buckled up, and you're ready to fly through this season. And if you're not careful, it will be more unhealthy for your heart than it will be healthy for your heart. And we need to stop with a posture of openness and sometimes just kind of wait patiently on God and as we praise him, let him bring his peace to us. Southwest Airlines was in the news this week. They had a flight that went from Sacramento, California, up to Seattle. And then from there, the plane was supposed to go down to Dallas. Well, in Sacramento, they loaded some pretty, uh, pretty precious cargo. It was a, a heart from an organ donor that was being taken from Sacramento up to someone who needed this heart for a transplant operation in Seattle. So the plane got safely to Seattle, and then it took off for Dallas, and they forgot to take the heart off the plane. And so, and I don't know who was to, to blame or what, what happened in the midst of that, but they realized it somewhere over Idaho. <laughs> and the, the pilot had to turn the plane around and, and, and go back, and they got the heart there kind of just back in the nick of time, and they were able to use it, and the surgery successful, and all those kind of things. But it was an interesting analogy, I thought, because in this season in particular, so many times we can fly right through life and leave our heart behind. And we can fail to see what might happen if we don't slow down enough to take a check of our own hearts, especially in this Christmas season. So here's what we're going to do. I want to invite you to stand with me, if you would, please. And I know for some of you, this, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but, but I think it would be a, a, a good kind of exercise for, for all of us. If you're comfortable, would you just in somehow put yourself in a posture of receiving? Maybe you want to lift your hands to the Lord. Maybe, maybe you want to put them in, in kind of a posture of receiving before him, whatever is spiritually or even physically good for you. But would you just put yourself in a posture of receiving? And in this posture of openness before God, I, I just want to take a moment to wait patiently. What are you waiting for? Is there something in this season that, that feels like it's missing or something you're hoping for or, or something you're asking God for? Like, like where, where is that for you right now? In this moment, just, just stop. 
What are you trusting God for? What are you believing that somehow he's working something out behind the scenes? You haven't seen it yet. But with faith, you're trusting him. And then with this posture of openness, and in this moment of trust, we're going to praise him. I'm just going to sing a very simple chorus, Christmas chorus, Oh, come, let us adore him. And in this moment, patiently, openly waiting for God, would you praise him and ask him to bring your peace, his peace to your life today. Father, we come to you. You know what we're waiting for this Christmas. Would you come? Would you touch our hearts? We adore you today. all the glory. may we not fly through this Christmas season so fast that we forget about our hearts with an openness before you God we trust you and we praise you and may we know you this Christmas in a way like never before so now Lord as we go from here would you go with us Send us out with your special favor, with your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Have a great week.